KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A lawsuit challenges the state's gang database. After this scathing audit came out the year before that found it had lots of errors in it, it included several children who are under the age of one. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. The ROTC tackles the challenge of officer training in a pandemic. So we are relying on the CDC guidance for how the screening should occur. Someone that doesn't feel well, someone who's been in positive contact with someone who has COVID, those types of things will exclude those individuals. And we'll talk goth music, the Italian Film Festival, and more on our weekend preview. Stay with us for Midday Edition, coming up next. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The California gang database, known as CalGang, is now the subject of a lawsuit brought by community groups in San Diego and Southern California. After requesting earlier this year that the state comply with required audits of the database, the lawsuit is now demanding it. The state's listing of alleged gang members in a database has been criticized by activists and lawmakers alike for the mistakes and outdated information it contains. And being listed on the CalGang database can have real-world consequences, even for people who've never been gang members. Joining me is KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. And Claire, welcome. Thank you. These community groups say they're suing because the CalGang database is not being regulated by the state according to the requirements of a law that was passed in 2017. What sort of regulation is required under their law? Right. So the law uh, AB90, which was written by Assemblywoman Shirley Weber after the scathing audit came out the year before about the gang database that found it had lots of errors in it, including that famous fact now that it included um, several children who are under the age of one. Um, so some of the laws required regulations are that the database is now overseen by the California Department of Justice, and they can block access to police departments if they find the departments are misusing it. Another requirement is that the DOJ do regular audits of the database, and that was supposed to start before January 2020. That audit hasn't happened yet, and so that's what this lawsuit is over. The groups say Attorney General Javier Becerra isn't overseeing the database the way he's supposed to, and so it should be shut down until his office can properly regulate it. What consequences could someone face by being listed on law enforcement's gang database? Well, so it's important to know that being in CalGang isn't a crime, but it, its critics say it creates an association with someone in the database as being in the gang. So every entry has a photo, descriptions of the person's clothing, um, scars and any tattoos they might have, the names and addresses of family and friends, and then information from the person's social media accounts. 
And not surprisingly, there are far more young Black and Latino men in it than other groups, especially people who live in lower income areas. So if police stop a person and see he's in the gang database, they might treat him more harshly. um, And police can use the gang label to justify stopping and questioning someone in the database. And then if that person is arrested, prosecutors might increase charges against them. And one other thing is that a state audit found that the database had been used for employment and military-related screenings. So it can have a, a variety of different impacts. Cow Gang has been criticized for a long time for being used as cover for racial profiling of people who live in certain neighborhoods. How do police decide who is listed on the database? Well, it it can simply just be that you are stopped in a known gang area, which includes much of areas like Southeast San Diego where, where people live, or if you're wearing a certain color that's associated with a gang, or that you are stopped while associating with another person who is already in the database. But that could, you know, just be a family member or a neighbor or a friend just because you are, say, you know, riding in a car with someone that police say is in a gang doesn't mean that you are also in a gang. Can people challenge being listed on the gang database? As of 2017, uh, they, they can. So a law that year required police to inform people if they were in the database and provided a legal avenue so that they could challenge that inclusion. But, but that hasn't really been working out so well so far. Earlier this year, our partner iNewsource found that many local law enforcement agencies might not be sending all of the required notification letters to tell people they're in the database. And a year after the law went into effect, they did a report and they found that there were only 53 requests to be removed from the database and only 11 were granted. And that's out of almost 100,000 people in the database. Now, recently, the state stopped all law enforcement from using gang database information provided by the LAPD. Why is that? Well, that was after an internal audit done by the Los Angeles Police Department found that some of their officers were using the database incorrectly. They found that at least 59 times officers had falsified records to add people into the database. So the DOJ, um, first of all, blocked LA from using the database and then said that all law enforcement couldn't use information that LAPD had added because it might be incorrect. Now back to this lawsuit that was announced yesterday. Is the lawsuit trying to stop law enforcement from keeping any record of gang members in California? Well, specifically what it's looking for is for courts to put an injunction um, on the database until the DOJ establishes a process for better regulating and managing it. So the lawyer who filed the suit says once that process is established and a judge signs off on it, then um, they could use the database again. I've been speaking with KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. And Claire, thank you. Thank you. Like many college classes, the Army's Reserve Officers Training Corps, or ROTC, has largely moved online because of the pandemic. The program trains most newly commissioned Army officers. Still, some cadets are getting some limited in-person training. From Boston, Fred Tice reports for the American Homefront Project. 
In a clearing at Camp Edwards on Cape Cod, a group of army cadets comes over a hill to take a position being held by another group. They're shooting blanks, but otherwise, this is as real on-the-ground training as the cadets have had since the pandemic began. The cadets, all college seniors, come from ROTC programs in Massachusetts and Maine. They're from public universities and private ones, such as Harvard University. Cadet Isabella Van Natten attends Wellesley College, where seniors are learning remotely this semester. It's such a relief to definitely be in person, to be out here. Even though we're, ca we're carrying really heavy rucks and everything, just being in, in person with everyone makes a huge difference, and the learning really skyrockets when uh, we have these difficult experiences, new challenges that can be thrown at us um, in the in-person setting. So having a semester remote, I definitely appreciate getting this learning opportunity out here. Three ROTC platoons performed these exercises in late August. Each platoon had fewer than 30 cadets, and they were not allowed to work or socialize outside that group, a far cry from normal training when hundreds of cadets would eat, train, and shower together. In a typical summer, 10,000 ROTC cadets would have been at Fort Knox, Kentucky. This year, the Army planned 68 smaller trainings around the country until the end of October. The cadets at Camp Edwards do not wear masks. They train 12 hours a day, after which they're screened for symptoms of COVID-19. Major General John Evans, commander of Cadet Command, explains that the Army is not able to test cadets on a daily basis everywhere. So we are relying on the CDC guidance for how the screening should occur. Someone that doesn't feel well, someone who's been in positive contact with someone who has COVID, those types of things will exclude those individuals. And then in other places, we have the ability to test some, uh, and we will use those tests sparingly so that if we have someone who screens positive, we can give them a test and then find out whether or not they are truly positive or whether they can continue a training. So we're really trying to, to use uh, everything at our disposal to be able to do that. Back at the command center on Cape Cod, fans are roaring. Lieutenant Colonel David Stalker, professor of military science at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, says the lack of hands-on training since March has had an impact. What I do see out there is they're just slower because maybe they have not moved as a team or a squad and definitely not like a platoon. Uh, just because we lost some of those spring exercises that we would have done in March, April, and May. But Stalker is encouraged by the fact that the lack of in-person training has not hurt cadets' ability to develop other skills. We did not see that with marksmanship, but we conducted some preliminary marksmanship instruction to prep them to go out to the rifle range, and, and we did that virtually. Despite the slow ramp-up in moving together as a platoon, Stalker is confident that the cadets will be ready for the Army by the time they graduate this spring. In Boston, I'm Fred Tice. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, 
healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. Our arts and culture picks for this weekend preview feature a master class in the oral storytelling traditions, a virtual launch party for the San Diego Italian Film Festival, a retrospective protest photography exhibition, and some live streamed goth music. Joining me is KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon Evans with all the details. And welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Now, first up, the Old Globe's Friday night digital offering features Bibi Mama tonight. Tell us a little about Word Up and Mama's work. Yeah, Word Up's one of the digital arts programs the Old Globe has set out during the pandemic. It's kind of part showcase, part masterclass, and part hang session. And this week, they're bringing in Bibi Mama, who's a first-generation Beninese American. She's an actor and teaching artist, and she's going to be talking about oral storytelling traditions. She learned the West African Yoruba oral storytelling tradition from her father, and he is the distinguished storyteller and professor Raouf Mama. And I just found out that Raouf will also be dialing into the event with his daughter, kind of a nice silver lining of these virtual events. The Old Globe's Word Up live streams tonight at 6 on YouTube or the Old Globe website. And in the live music world, we have something goth to look forward to. Yes, the Casbah is hosting a virtual version of the Black Friday goth dance party. They have live DJ sets as well as a band performing on their stage. Uh, San Diego has this vibrant goth night scene so it'll kind of be hard to measure up to that dimly lit dance floor vibe but it should be a longer and more robust version of the casbah's regular live streamed empty venue concerts which i've been loving and the band the passengers will perform a set of their ultra dark post-punk music here's a brand new track from them it was just released on a compilation called presence not absence by southern california-based volar records that benefits housing relief for trans people of color. It's a great album and worth looking up on Bandcamp. And the passenger song is called Until the World Falls Apart, which is timely. the passengers with until the world falls apart so get out your black lipstick and tune in tonight at 8 30 on the casbah's twitch channel next the san diego italian film festival well it takes place next month but this sunday is their official launch party julia tell us about this virtual event yeah, so the theme of the virtual program um, is activism. And on Sunday, you can get a preview of some of these films, meet some of the directors who'll be dialing in from Italy, and also get some musical performances from locals Mark and Landon Akiyama. They'll be playing their interpretations of some of their favorite Morricone film scores. They'll also screen an animated short film they scored called Brush, 
which is a very sweet look at a boy's life, all seen from the bathroom mirror while he's brushing his teeth or not. And don't miss the festival's gelato delivery. The San Diego Italian Film Festival launch party takes place Sunday at 11. In the visual arts world, Hill Street Country Club opens a new retrospective exhibition of photographer Johnny Nguyen's work. Tell us about him. Yeah, the show is called Normalized Radical, and it chronicles the decade Nguyen has spent photographing protests and counterculture movements, beginning with the Occupy San Diego movement and leading right up until the summer's protests against police brutality and racial injustice. His aim as an artist is to use his photojournalistic chops to help tell the stories of the, the people and the causes at the center of street activism. And this is actual in-person art? Yeah, Hill Street's doing a new twist on the opening reception. They're offering two full days of socially distanced small group receptions this weekend. Nguyen told me this week that he kind of welcomes the shift away from the art party style and looks forward to having visitors more able to spend time with the art. And also the exhibition will also be available to view and shop online if you're not quite ready for an in-person event. Normalize Radical opens Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 7 and by appointment at Oceanside's Hill Street Country Club. Also, Hill Street Country Club is virtually hosting a live-streamed musical performance on Monday. Tell us about Amenta Abiato. Yeah, here's something to ease us back into the work week, you can tune into Hill Street's Instagram for Portland-based Amenta Abioto, who's doing a benefit for the venue's artist support stipend program. Abioto is a singer, songwriter, producer, and performance artist. Her work's mystical and raw, and she's influenced by jazz, gospel, African instrumental music, and electronic synth in these solo loop-based performances. I really love watching loop musicians perform live. It's such this intricate art form. So let's listen to one of her latest tracks, Awake. Hill Street Country Club's Instagram account Monday at 6.30 p.m. For more arts events or to sign up for the KPBS Arts Newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. And I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor and Producer Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks. Thank you, Maureen. Have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, 
we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.